the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith in the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mentelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Today we are starting a new series entitled Courageous Conversations. This series has its roots in the breakfast fellowship Pastor Steve and I used to enjoy at Chick-fil-A near where we live. And I say used to because we haven't met there in a while. Nonetheless, over coffee we would talk about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, our lives, our hearts, and the challenges posed by this fallen world. Pastor Steve would add the pastoral perspective, and I would bring the military perspective, and we would talk about absolutely everything from family to work, from the state of the church to the state of the union. And we're going to revive those chats today, adding the female and coaching perspective of my wife and wingman, Christy Mendelo. The most important element of this series is that we look at the world through the lens of faith and not the other way around. And please think about that for a moment. Most of the time, people think about faith on Sunday or Easter or Christmas. And the world encourages this because it keeps Christians in a small, tidy, and harmless place. We aren't out there messing up cultural things with our annoying beliefs about Jesus and right and wrong according to the Bible. We're not upsetting their apple cart. We aren't messing up things at the voting booth or disrupting the political circus, which has so many distracted. We aren't even messing up church services with questions like, why do we need smoke or a rock band and so on? Christians have been marginalized even by the church, and we've allowed it. So if that shocks you, Stay tuned, because we're going to talk about more of that and so much more over the next few weeks on Courageous Conversations. And Pastor Steve, would you please pray for us? Absolutely. Father God, we praise your holy name. As always, we're just honored 
to sit at your feet, Lord, and we do that now. We sit to be taught by the the Master himself, Lord, and let your word flow through us. Let it be seasoned by the Holy Spirit to, to everyone that listens, wherever they are, that the Holy Spirit has gone before it and is plowing up the ground and, and ready to receive a, a fertile word. Uh, let it be encouraging, uplifting, and let it be truth. Let all we do glorify you. Take this time and do with it what only you can do, Father. We praise you and we ask in your mighty Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. So, friends, Christy says quite often, start with what is real. So what's real right now? We're back in school in the post-COVID world. The White House is giving away billions of dollars to pay off student debt. China is bullying the U.S. geopolitically and virtually. Putin continues his invasion of the Ukraine. Inflation is through the roof. The economy is grinding to a halt, and that means fewer jobs tomorrow and the next day. And strangely, though most of our economic woes are blamed on the war in the Ukraine, U.S. oil companies are making record profits. So that's what's real. Why start there? Because I don't want anybody who's listening to think that we're out of touch with the realities of this world as we discuss a faith-based perspective. Does that make sense to everybody? It's yes, really important. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're not in La La Land. This isn't, uh, who is that, Pollyanna? We're not Pollyannas <laughs> who have this idea that our faith is this uh, neat, tidy little thing while the world goes on around us falling apart. No. Our faith is the way we weather the storm like the disciples weathered the storm, and our faith is the way we shine light into the darkness and still the madness and preserve all that is good. So just like at our breakfast talks with no agenda but to look at the world through the eyes of Christianity, anything is fair game. I do think we should address the intro about Christians being marginalized by the world and the church. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Sounds great. It's um, There's so much going on that you don't even really need to have a plan where to start. You can just you can just get started. Just start <laughs> just, talking, and and we will spend show after show. Right. I mean, because I mean, just as you 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 name just a handful, but but it's uh, yeah, but, there, we can we can go so many directions right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that we want to keep in mind is we are we live as Christians in the world. We're not of the world, and so that's so we are here in the world, and there are realities. Of the world. Yeah. And we've got to deal with them just like anybody else. I think that's an important point to make because we are told not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. And we are also told to resist evil. And I had this picture drawn on a dry erase marker board about how all of that gets easier. I remember, I think I showed you that picture from my uh, quiet time. Good on one side, evil on the other side. Mm -hmm. And a a little smiley face, because that's the best of my artwork, (laughs) in the middle. And what I was thinking is, the more you're focused on good, the more your choices are made for good, the further away you go from what's evil, because you're pulled toward what you're looking at, right? Our eyes are in the front of our head, so we go where we're looking. And then things become simpler, but not necessarily easier. If, on the other hand, we do absolutely nothing without intention, without uh, 
thinking about the reality, which is that the world will pull you in if you allow it. So yeah. we do have to resist it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, not to be trite, but we, we do have to look at what is happening, what is real at the same time with our faith. Uh, otherwise, it, from a re- realistic standpoint, I, know I keep saying the word real, but otherwise, as I kind of drew that image that you just talked about, good and evil on either side, I mean, we can be too much of one or the other. Yeah. Even when, you know, as you say this, the world will suck you in. I, I, I've explained it before, and I've had a really cool conversation with a guy one time about our, our walk is like we're on on a treadmill. I mean, okay, it's a walk. All through Scripture, it talks about your walk, walk, walk. As you go, as you go, it never talks about an idle place. It never talks about, oh, okay, I've made it. I'm good. I can chill here. The 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 struggle, the journey, the the thing that we're on to to pursue Christ. It, the, what happens the moment you stop on a treadmill? You wind up a YouTube video getting shot off the back of it, and, yeah. and, and I've been there. You know, um, <laughs> so you know sometimes we're sometimes we're at a, a a very manageable pace and and maybe even a nice casual walk, and then there's other times we're sprinting to the point where we think at any moment we're about to be shot off the back of this thing. But the thing is, is is our journey and our walk is is we're always going to be going forward. I, I I don't ever get to that place where I can just put it in neutral and, and coast. Beautiful point, um, because throughout the New Testament, Jesus and the uh, disciples are walking yeah. somewhere, yeah. and they stop in a place for two or three days sometimes, but for the most part, they're on the move. And so what just occurred to me is it makes complete sense that society tells us we should retire and do nothing. How so? Well, society... Whatever popular culture tells us, you can rest assured it's 180 degrees out from what we're supposed to be doing. So if society tells us we should retire, there's a couple things wrong with that. Silver hair is the crown of old age. So as you have all of this experience and all of this learning with the silver hair and the crown of old age, you have an amazing contribution to make to the world around you with your experience and your knowledge I think it was John Eldridge in his book, Becoming a King, talks about the stages where he says, uh, first, uh, a boy needs to be the fathered apple. by God, fathered by God. Thank yep. you. He needs to be the apple of his father's eye. Then he enters the cowboy stage. The cowboy stage helps him get to the warrior stage where you spend a large portion of your 20s and 30s and 40s. You're a warrior on this planet. Then you become a king where maybe you advise warriors and you manage warriors and you've got this family realm And then you become a sage and you advise kings. And John Eldridge makes the point that it's as a sage that we make our biggest contribution. Because if you think about like a Ponzi scheme, I don't know if that's the right word or Amway or something. When you're a sage, you're advising a number of kings. Those kings advise a number of warriors. So that's your biggest numerical influence. And it's at that time in life that... Uh, the world is telling us, well, we need to go uh, to Florida and collect seashells. The word that was coming to mind, and you just said it, was influence. And it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast this morning, and they were talking about as we age and memory in our brain, and, and, and they were tying it into our body as a temple. One of the things it says is being active, exercise, you know, and, and staying involved and staying in community, that helps us um, 
uh, increase our longevity and staying active. So no retirement. <laughs> I mean, right. re- retirement needs a different picture. Yeah. And so you, sorry, mm-hmm. you make a brilliant point when you say nobody was ever stationary and the only destination is heaven. And on this earth, we're not in heaven um, in terms of uh, biblically speaking. And so why are you stopping? Well, and it's awesome that you mentioned the the Father by God because that's immediately where my my mind went when you said that. Okay, I can I can maybe not go into work anymore, but I just I have a new I have a new mission I have a new post to, right. to stand on, and and that's that's such a brilliant point. And what does the enemy want to do? The enemy wants to take out the intel that the sage has. Yes, he doesn't want the warriors and the kings to get that intel. He doesn't want that guy that's been around the corner and beat his head on that wall and figured out how to get over it to tell those still beating their head on the wall how to do it. And yeah. so he's going to come after that. The guy in a hole, and we've talked about that. He doesn't want those uh, men and women with the crown of old age, had silver hair, jumping down in the hole of all of these young people and telling them, hey, I've been in this hole before and I know how to get out. So we got to be reinventing the wheel. And speaking about retirement... Uh, it wouldn't be right for us to not mention, given Christie's love of Pastor Rick Warren, that he <laughs> is preaching his last sermon. Or um, has most recently. Yeah. Has most recently preached his last sermon. God bless him and his family and all that he has given to so many. We've quoted him numerous times on the show, and it's with love and respect that we thank uh, his family and himself for all that he's done. And we hope that you'll stay with us because we're going to continue in our courageous conversations after the break. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Mendelow. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of this show and our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public, nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission and this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to be more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Can we find a friend so faithful? Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're beginning a new series today called Courageous Conversations. In the studio, Christy, Pastor Steve, and myself. And we are asking what is real, and we're talking about what's going on in the world because we want you to know that our faith, our love of Jesus— what we read in the Bible, the change that that makes in our hearts is what we bring to bear on the world around us. We are not what's left when the world is done with us. We are not 
what happens for an hour on Sunday. We are Christians. We believe in Jesus. He comes into us. He makes a change, and then we change the world around us. And so through these conversations, wherever they take us, they might seem uh, like there's not necessarily an agenda, but the only agenda is to, in an authentic and organic way, look at the world and the events around us through the lens of faith. Because we've got three very interesting personalities, Christy as a coach, somebody who spends a lot of time with people in struggle, whether going through divorce or big transformations in life, and they're trying to navigate that, and she helps them in that navigation. Pastor Steve, from the pastoral perspective, all that he sees of people and transformation and being stuck and also bringing their faith to bear on the world around them. And then my perspective, which is generally from the standpoint of spiritual war and how this uh, is not an easy world and it's not an easy life, and yet it is simpler when we bring ourselves to Jesus at every step in every decision. So speaking of struggle and my perspective and my clients, I'm glad to have Pastor Steve here too, and, and this is just throwing out the things that are on our minds, right? Yeah. So I work with people who are considering divorce in the midst of it or coming out of it. Um, the idea where, you know, I really want to as a coach is to work with people if divorce has been brought to the table and help them step back into their marriage. But then, of course, if divorce does happen, um, help them walk through it in a healthier manner. Pastor Steve, I really struggle when clients come to me and say, you know, this divorce is on the table. I, I, I don't want it, but what should I do? Is, is, does God say divorce is completely wrong? What, what, how would somebody know the leading of the Spirit to make a decision? Well, and you've asked me that before, and that's that's always a, a that's that's one of the pastoral. Wow, talk about jumping into the yeah, deep end. Yeah, that's one of those pastoral uh, kind of hot seat questions. <laughs> yeah. Scripture's clear. God God never intended for divorce. Scripture's clear that he did he designed marriage to be one man, one woman, and that's it. Um, scripture's also clear: don't murder. Scripture's also clear: don't steal. So so whenever we move into this this deal. There's the obvious, is there abuse? Uh, you know, is one of them in danger? Is is something going on? Had a, a lady not too long ago, um, kind of inadvertently, I was involved in it a little bit, but, you know, her husband was making meth in the garage and using her as a punching bag every night. Mm. Okay, so as a pastor, am I going to say, oh, nope, Bible says you can't get divorced. you got to stay with this guy and just, no, I mean, clearly that that that's just, so it's one of those things where if God can raise people from the dead, he can raise a marriage from the dead. Amen. Um, I fully believe that. I believe that every marriage is salvable, but it takes two people seeking after God and willing to lay themselves down and say, all right, God, fix me so that I'm better for them. And sometimes you just don't have that. Yeah. Um, that's just not the case. Both people aren't willing to do that. Both people aren't willing to go that far. Whatever the case, you, you can sit here and, and you know describe scenario after scenario. But in the end, it's it's something like you say. Let's catch them in the beginning. Let's 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 push for. Let's see what Scripture says. Let's put the mirror up in front of both people and see if we can get them to, to that place. Um, and then at the and then and then go from there. And then, but my 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 words are always: Have you 
have you brought this to God? So many of them, so many people want to jump straight to that place. Oh, here we are. It's so easy. I mean, you know, you can get a budget divorce, you know, whatever. I, have, I say bebop on down uh, to yeah. the attorney's um, office. So we can bebop on down and just, <laughs> just get married and we can bebop on down and end the marriage. Right. Um, and totally, totally discrediting the, the gravity of the covenant of marriage as God designed it um, on both ends of that. So, but, but have we brought this to God? You know, the, those are some of the first questions that I ask when people come to me. I'm like, where, where's God in this? Right. And chances are, ninety nine percent of the time, God's exactly. nowhere already in the marriage. So, so well, there we start. So, you know where that takes me to that whole conversation. Behind it is our need to be right, our individual need to be right. And if we could go to a different place, that need to be right within a marriage, me being me, the for instance, the spouse being the spouse, we make that what's important. And now we're not giving that ground. And I, I've said this often when I've talked about being an airline captain. I'm not interested in being right. The stakes are too high. I'm interested in doing what's right. And so if the first officer needs to tell me I'm doing something wrong, in order for us to do what's right, then let's do that because the stakes are so high. So what I hear in this particular conversation, as it would apply to the conversation writ large in this world, you see a bunch of people with the need to be right. And what I would rather is that we're all reading the Bible, comparing what we're doing to that, letting go of the need to be right, in our deep, profound desire to get it right, to do it right, to be what Jesus says we should do. So I think I'm asking there, too, is what about those who are trying to get it right and they are struggling with the decision? Um, And I think I heard in their scripture, what does scripture say? Um, Put that mirror up in front of you. Uh, If you, you, Pastor Steve, you said, can we get them to look in the mirror and say, hey, what's what's going on here? Um. What else would you encourage them to do to to struggle in that place and to seek God and to find out, as you're saying, Richard, is, you know, um, what is right? Well, that's a brilliant point. You know, and what am I fighting for? Am I fighting to be right or am I fighting for my marriage? And and the other thing that so divorce it and the immediate divorce isn't the, the only option. You know, Scripture talks about separation all right, you know, okay, if especially if there's a case where it's just volatile and this or that, let let so everybody hit pause for a minute. Let's separate. Let's let let's move and give ourselves time to seek God. Give ourselves time to am I fighting? You know, figure out what it is I'm fighting for. Most of the time, it's the time. It, yeah. it's the time yeah. that's needed, yeah. and we're not willing because maybe this has been going on for years after years, and so I'm just done. I don't want to give it any more time. But I'm, but I'm, I'm just now at that point to say, this is where we're at. So really, the clock started ticking then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you were just going through the motions and you hadn't spent any time on working on your marriage, but now all of a sudden, boom, we're to this place. Now the clock's ticking. Spend some time. Yeah. Do whatever it takes to to get quiet for you know. And, and what you're alluding to is being intentional. So we're not just going to mark time. 
What we're going to do is be intentional in the relationship, whether it's divorce, and uh, we don't have to park on divorce, but whether it's in being intentional in your relationship there and saying, hey, the only behavior I control is my own, and so I'm going to make sure that I'm being the best me. I'll bring that best me every day, and then I'll let God control uh, everybody else and the change that's in everybody else. And so if we back up from... Uh, the need to be right. So we started with divorce, and then we behind that was a need to be right. And now backing up again, there's being intentional in everything that we're doing, which takes us to the initial uh, conversation, which was the little smiley face in the middle, good on the one side, evil on the other side, and being intentional in our pursuit of good. And then it's like we've said before, it's not what I think is good. It's not what I think is right. It's what does Jesus say is right. He gave us guidance in in every area. What I'm hearing in there, too, is that that space that you're talking about, Pastor Steve, applied to anyone and everyone in struggle is taking a step back, that intentionality. You've got to pause for a minute. But our world, talking about looking at the things through the lens of our faith, our world wants us to hurry up and get things done, especially divorce. It's like, hey, let's give you get you that quickie divorce type of thing. And our culture is one of quick, quick, quick. But taking that space back to look through the proper lens is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Why does the enemy not want you to take time? Yeah. Because if you He's take time, you. <laughs> you'll see things as a choice. Mm. Uh, when you're in the fight, it's very hard to generate the space and the time, which equals security to make good, premeditated, intentional choices. And I think uh, what we could take out of this segment is it's a choice, whether Mm -hmm. divorce, whether letting go of the need to be right. Hey, I'm loved by Jesus. I don't need to be right in this conversation. Uh, You can have this contested ground, and I'm going to walk away because I don't want to be quarrelsome. But most importantly, I think if we see everything as a choice, then we can decide with intention, where will we look? And then we look to Jesus. We look to good. What's the shortest distance between me and Jesus in this situation right now? Maybe it's walking away. Maybe it's uh, saying, okay, let's not argue and giving the person a hug. Uh, I'm going to say prayers for you. Great to see you. Have a nice day. It's the the touching of the on the point of culture says do it quick blah, blah, blah. and see unfortunately even this is this the the the, the d word you know it, it, it's it's a, it's a very dirty word even within the church yeah um we'll 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 work with someone that's in their struggles with whatever pornography or this or that but oh you're going through a divorce well you've got the scarlet d on your your shirt and so right. so that also puts outside pressure on us and and that's where I say, well, I just got to step back and then what, what's God asking of me? Yeah, and then I can, bring, I can bring a much better product to the table. I love it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added to you. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelow, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. 
Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She is the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we've just begun today our Courageous Conversations series. And it might go on for quite some time because I don't know about you guys, but I'm having a lot of fun. And I like the idea that we're simply having conversations wherever the Holy Spirit takes us about looking at the world through the lens of faith. And I worry so much that people do the opposite. Mm. And they think about their faith in the context of the world, and that's backwards because we know faith comes first. Culture is downstream of faith or a lack of faith. Politics is downstream of culture, and here we are, 2022, uh, all manner of buffoonery going on, and everybody doing their best to pretend that it's normal. Yeah, and often we go get get our direction from those who may not be objective or social media, yeah, which you know, may not real be real news. Uh, well, there's no may about it. That's a totally <laughs> interesting point uh, that we go... Instead of so, in the beginning, we talked about how the sage, the crown of old age, we throw out yeah. those who give us the most, uh, who've seen this before, who could jump in all of these holes with us and tell us, "Hey, I lived through World War II. Throttle back. Everything is going to be okay. Just keep doing the right thing." And so, instead of listening to that voice, we marginalize that voice. And we say, hold on a second, there's a really popular 17-year-old on TikTok that I need to um, <laughs> talk to about this. And then we wonder why we everybody's wonder why out there we... behaving like... 17-year-olds. Um, yeah, there year you old. go. It's pretty <laughs> You had a point. Well, and that, that, that's, that's a perfect lead-in, if you will. You've said something similar to this. You know, what we deem important, what, what, what do you always say, what we 
acquire too lightly, we esteem. What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. Exactly. It is so, dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. Beautiful. Okay. So where what matters? You know, we, and we talked about in the opening segment, so much going on, politics, Ukraine, Putin, uh, the White House elections, all this stuff. And then we talk about where do we go for our backboard, social media, whatever, the news, whatever's whatever's popular, whatever's going on. And so as we were doing that, I just made a little note, and it reminded me, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is talking to a young church that that he was originally there and was persecuted and kicked out, who he left behind He in, in the book of Thessalonians. He's going back, and he's talking to them. And he says in, in 1 Thessalonians 1, um, uh, verse 2, it says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind, listen to this, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God our Father. And it goes on to talk about the that the, the, the word came in the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but notice what he said there. What's he measuring? You know, the, the church nowadays, uh, the, the biggest thing, you you, set, you take 10 pastors that don't know each other, set them at a table, and I guarantee you within 30 seconds, the question of how many people are you running is going to, it won't take 30 seconds for someone to ask that question. And what does that mean? How many people are you uh, at your church? Okay. How many are you running? How many are you running? Oh, we're running 400. We're running 500. We're running 2,000. That, that word means, running? Yeah, that, that's just kind of the popular term. How, you that know, how, mean like 400 a, a uh, week? A week. A week. Okay. You know, how, how many are coming to your church service? Immediately. So the church has kind of adopted this. And friends, please, I use a broad stroke lightly. There's striving hearts and there's awesome churches out there. But as a whole, the church has let the world infiltrate. And so what do, what what deems important, I uh, heard pa- our pastor the other day say, butts and bucks. That's what we count. How many butts are in the seat and how much money's coming in? It's interesting. Okay. I had somebody say to me before that church is a business and it just tore me up. Like well, I'm like, I get the mindset there that, I mean, you want to stay relevant and you want people to be coming to church. You want to bring them to Christ. But it just seems so like what harsh scri- language. Let's always, let's always take the conversation back to Scripture. And so we know that in these times, we're, uh, the church is going to be scratching the itching ears. But in, in church, it is a business. They're, I mean, it's a multi-million dollar business. Um, you got to pay for lights. You got to pay for buildings. You got to pay for land. You got to. So on that aspect of it, it is a business. But whenever what were the tangibles, the, the things that we're counting that, that mean the most to us, that's when we get it mixed up. And that's my point here. Paul he says, constantly bearing in mind what he's thanking God for is their faith, their labor of love, their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope. He's, I don't care how many people you're running. What, what I'm praising God for, and, and as you go on and you read through Thessalonians, the, the, the gospel was going forth and the word was, was going out. They were running into people and hearing the gospel from people they didn't even know were trying to tell the apostles about Jesus, and they're like, this is all coming from this church. They're doing awesome. And what I'm thanking God for, we hear faith, hope, love all the time. We've got it painted on a little wood plaque in our bathrooms or whatever at home. Okay, but notice how he puts the action words with it. Your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope. He's happy and he's praising God for the intangibles. 
Okay, I can't count faith as I can people in seats. And so where I'm going with all this is, is they were doing what mattered. They were bringing their faith to bear on the, and, and, and if you look at what was going on in this time, you read scripture, it's, it's very similar to what we're dealing with today. But what Paul comes in and says, praise God, look at you guys, your, your work of faith, your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope. They were bringing the things of God to bear on their, their, their world around them. I love that. And I love steadfastness of hope because friends, I realize things can seem overwhelming with gas at $5 and inflation in double digits. It's very easy for us to look around and say things are so messed up. At the same time, there are so many scriptures that you can point to which tell you, hey, this is to be expected. In the end times, people will be lovers of self, greedy, disrespectful of their parents. I think that's Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, so many references. Um, also in Romans. Here's another one. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And our hope will not put us to shame. So what I love out of that Thessalonians uh, scripture is steadfastness of hope. How do we have that, friends? When we look around, whether you're watching CNN uh, by accident or you're seeing any of this other fake news or a 17-year-old on TikTok, whatever's going on, and you're sitting there going, this is totally messed up. We know that in the end, we will not be put to shame. And it's by our hope, the steadfastness of our hope. And in whom is that hope? Jesus, the conqueror, our Lord and Savior. Lord meaning there are things we have to do. He governs us. He gives us rules. And Savior, tomorrow's a new day, regardless of what you did yesterday. Through those rules, those rules of engagement, that loving heart, we can be whatever we want tomorrow, and in that hope, we will not be put to shame. This is a big deal because we're implicitly in the second segment and in this segment back to a place of choice. Hope is a choice. What do you say to that? Hope is definitely a choice, but sometimes you can't see it. And so I think of the listeners out there, um, you know, maybe politics is kind of far removed from them and, you know, more of those macro events, but they might be in the, and I bring it back to divorce in the struggle of divorce or the struggle of the back to school season with kids as a single parent or financial strain to the micro, micro aspect. And so this, but this applies to everyone, steadfastness of hope. Yeah. There's the strategic level, China, Ukraine, Putin, the White House, And there's the tactical level where life is lived. And I read this one thing. uh, It was trying to explain the difference between the strategic level, the operational level, and the tactical level. And the strategic level is years and thousands of miles. The operational level is months and hundreds of miles. And the tactical level is seconds and inches. And it's a great point that you make because here we are. It's the end of the summer. We've just had Labor Day weekend. Kids are back in school. Some places they've got them wearing masks yeah, just to continue the perversity. And 
we're talking to you out there uh, in whom you've you've put your hope in Jesus and you won't be put to shame. And these are difficult uh, things that we all endure, but we do it together. And um, it's by Scripture that lets us know what the right choices are. And then at any given moment, do the next right thing. Well, right. You, you, you know, talking about, so how do I have that hope? And, and again, it goes back, Scripture says your you know, faith without works is dead. dead. Okay, and we're not talking about salvation here, but we're talking about, this says your work of faith. That could be as simple as voting your faith. That could be as simple as as making a job choice that's going to allow you to— I love that um, point. The action words, and if you read all through Thessalonians, the action words is what really grabs me is, you know, he says your labor of love. Oh, yeah, I love my neighbor, but but are you laboring to do that? Are you Beautiful. choosing to so, do that? So when it, That's it, fantastic. How do I get to that place where I can truly choose hope? It's when I work it. It's just like, just like any muscle will atrophy if it's not worked. My faith will atrophy. My my love will atrophy. All that will, if I'm not actively doing it, then where's it going to be? So getting up in the morning and looking at Scripture versus Facebook. Amen. Friends, I love that point, Pastor Steve. Thank you so much. It's in the doing of our faith that we experience the greatest joy, and the hope comes from that joy, and Pastor Steve's having a leg cramp. Friends, stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we are having the first of our Courageous Conversations, which is a new series to just look at the events of our days through the lens of faith. Pastor Steve is here with a perspective of church and scripture and pastor. Christy's here speaking from the perspective of coach. And I'm here because the show is called Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelow, and it would be strange if I was not here. <laughs> so we've talked about all kinds of things. We talked about divorce. We talked about choices. We talked about uh, silver hair being the crown of old age. And we said that uh, society doesn't want us to have this conversation. Church doesn't necessarily want us to be having these conversations because there is uh, big business and also the status quo, which doesn't want Christians to upset the apple cart. I don't know what happens in an apple cart other than the apple part. <laughs> I don't know why everybody doesn't want it upset. But 
I was just talking to Christy on the way in here about storage units. So we got a storage <laughs> unit. And I was saying we need to uh, get rid of all the junk that's in the storage unit. I was saying how it's kind of nuts. You see one going up on every block. It's big business. It's big business. We buy stuff on credit, and then it ends up in a storage unit because we're probably still paying interest on it, and we can't bear to get rid of it. And so then we pay after-tax dollars to store it in a storage unit because we're so attached to this thing that we don't want enough to have in our house, but we don't want to get rid of it either. And my point is, it's kind of a stuck place. We're stuck. We're, we've done what the world told us. We did what our parents told us. We accumulated things. Now we're attached to those things, so much so that I'm going to go out tomorrow and try to earn some money to help pay to store those things. And if they disappeared, I wouldn't even really know it, and I probably wouldn't care. Yeah. My point is being stuck, society telling you what's valuable, and none of that is really the case. Pastor Steve in that First Thessalonians scripture said that what's valuable is? He, he, Paul says uh, your, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. And I hope we can all hear that. I hope we all can take that in. Uh, I like myself best when I'm serving others and when I'm giving to others. And the world is not interested in any of that. It wants us to stay stuck. Here's a funny one for you. Politicians invent our problems, they create our problems, and then they don't want to solve our problems because that's what keeps them in office. Hmm. It's all about keeping us stuck. And what does Jesus come for? What did he say? For freedom, so that you would be free. And our greatest freedom is in him. And our greatest freedom is the choice that we have. So ironically, the devil pretends he's going to free us to do all of this crazy stuff, from sex to drugs to all of this other stuff. The devil pretends that that's freedom. Jesus says, you are free to make whatever choice you want, and the best choice you can make is to do what's loving. And getting back to what is real, which is what we started with, is oftentimes our our human fleshly side wants that instant gratification, and that's where the the enemy can get us. And so when we focus in on Jesus, looking in that mirror, as we talked about, then we can make the choice. But a lot of us say, well, we don't have a choice, but we do. We do have a choice. Everything's a choice. And I know that it can be annoying when somebody says everything's a choice, but everything is a choice. And the one thing I don't understand about our society is... Anybody asking the question, is it working? Because surely we're all scientific enough, uh, rational enough, commonsensical enough to say, if this isn't working, I'm going to stop and do something different. But we're not. We're doing the same thing. And I just don't understand. It's not working. As a society, as a culture, we're miserable. Well, I think, and if, if this this might be, you know, the, the, this is called courageous conversations, right? Yes. I, I might be getting ready to open up a Uh-oh. up a, a topic that we we probably don't have time to go into. Um, but as you were talking about the storage, 
all that just kept going through my mind was that's what so many we put it in storage and I'm the world's worst. I might need that someday. So I'm gonna keep this. Well now I've got all this stuff piled on the shelf then my wife says my wife's the absolute complete opposite. We if we've used it once it's good to throw away. Um I'm like, I don't know, I might need that someday. But but I we've done we so many, I should say, do the same thing with, with their walk. I'm going to put it over here because I might need it someday, but it's not in my day-to-day. It's not top priority. It's not whatever gets put into that storage obviously is not top priority in your life. You're not. It's not a couch you're sitting on every day. It's a couch that's covered in a sheet that's sitting in your storage that you haven't got rid of. Well, so many of us have have chosen to make Christ, my religion, whatever word you want to throw at this at this point— I might need it, so I'm going to put it over here, and I'm just going to kind of tuck it away over here. I won't bring it out when those friends that that don't agree with me are coming over, and it's tucked away where no one can see it. So then, therefore, we are ineffective because if you if you and I'm not trying to get stuck on Thessalonians, I just have the book open right to it. Verse six it says, "So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place that your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything." So whenever I tuck Amen. that, when I tuck my faith away in storage and just go get it when I need it, oh, my job's ending this or that, I, oh, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, whatever, I'll go get it when I need it and bring it out, and then I'll go tuck it back over there, I, I don't become that example. It that, sounds like a matter of priorities, and one a, of the things we often say is you can tell what's important to you by mm-hmm. looking at your schedule. Mm-hmm. You can also tell what's your important. <laughs> yeah, your bank account. Wow. I guess um, what has stopped me in my thinking is the joy of Christ. On the one hand, we talked about the smiley face with good and evil. The joy of Christ on the one hand and so much sadness on the other, so much captivity. Uh, I've quoted before the French poet named Rousseau who said, to paraphrase slightly, man is born free yet is everywhere in chains. And necessarily if we're born free and then we're back in chains, we walked into that cell. Whether it's for an hour a month to pay for the storage where I'm I'm working uh, a couple hours a month to pay for the storage or whatever. And so it is for freedom that we have been set free. And now the question is, what choices will we make in that freedom to love, to nurture hope, and to serve the world around us? And so it brings us to our moment of truth, not because it's a truth, but because I think it's a very truthful question. As you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our conversation, and we do this so that we don't go off on a tangent, go down a rabbit hole. God's Word is our first refuge. That's where every conversation starts and every conversation ends there. And our uh, moment of truth today comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, and it's a little bit of a long passage, but I'd, I'd ask you to to listen carefully, and it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Friends, what I hope you hear in those verses are the first few words which say, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Going back to what Pastor Steve said, these are verbs. Like Thessalonians, it's about action. You have to hear and then put them into practice. And we all know right now there are storms, the winds are blowing, the, the tides are rising, and there are many challenges for each of us. And yet we know if we hear these words and put them into practice. So we must put our faith into practice. Our house will not fall. We will not be put to shame. You've often heard me say that in any situation, just do the next right thing. The next right thing isn't what we think it is, and it's not what the world says it is, as the world systematically works to marginalize Christians. Doing the next right thing means doing what the Bible says is right. Doing the next right thing means that in any situation, we realize that we have a choice with our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and our words, and we take the shortest route to Jesus by asking, what would he say is the next right thing to do in this moment, right here, right now? Whether it's a family issue, a work issue, or a social issue, as we study his ways each day and as we submit ourselves to his unchallenged sovereignty, we can take courage as we rely on his justice to light a righteous path through this darkened world. In this way, we can walk boldly and with compassion. And that's courageous Christianity. Well, everybody, thank you for that great conversation. That was I enjoyed it. That was awesome. It was enlightening. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anything you want to add before we say goodbye? I I just I keep hearing you can't run the treadmill for me. Right. This, this is my run. And and to I, I can't piggyback on someone else's coattails. This is mine. So I've got to put this into action. Amen. And Friends, thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, the word at KKHT.com or on CourageousChristianity.today or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.